Okay, we're bringing to an end actually what is four years of OEC working our way through Romans. So we get to Romans 16, uh, which is a bit of a landmark deal to have gone all the way through such a majestic book and seen uh, such a wonderful picture of the gospel and how we ought to respond. So it's a significant day, not just that it's the last day that I'll be preaching to you as a member of staff at OEC, but also that it's uh, just such a magnificent book and been such a blessing to us as a church for so many years. Uh, we're in the middle of our Serving 2022, where we are asking you to show an interest in how you would like to serve at church at 6.30 and serve more broadly at OEC. And I wonder if you are thinking and praying about how you might serve and thinking about how you would fill out the survey, whether or not the role of Bible reading has lost its shine today because there's some very tricky passages that are hard to find the pronunciation of different names. It may be that you're looking for other ways that you want to serve. But as you look through all these names that you see in Romans 16, if you do some research into who it is that we're looking into, who it is that Paul is talking about when he's saying greet these people and greet those people, there is a broad range of people that are invested in ministry alongside of Paul. There are literally dozens of people that Paul wants to bring to their attention. Uh, there is a mix of women and men, of Gentiles and Jews, of the rich and the poor. He talks about a city treasurer and also clearly is talking about slaves at different points throughout this chapter. So there's a broad range of people from all walks of life. And as Romans is written, we're within a generation of Jesus' death and resurrection. And so not only has the gospel made it to the heart of the Roman Empire, to the city of Rome, to the centre of the Roman Empire, but also it's made it to people from all walks of life, the Jew and Gentile, male and female, rich and poor. So what are we to understand from that? Well, the gospel can actually reach anyone. The gospel can reach people from all nations, from all walks of life, all types of people are able to be reached by God's gospel. And in fact, it is. They are reached by God in his gospel. So we ought not to think to ourselves that God cannot save a particular friend or family member or work colleague because they're too far gone in any direction, because God can save anyone. And not only is the gospel going out to anyone, Everyone is lending a hand to the work of the gospel. This broad range of people that are described in Romans 16 are working for the cause of the gospel alongside of the Apostle Paul. Back in 2014, a man in Perth was on his way to work and catching the train when he fell down in between the train and the platform and his leg was stuck between the platform and the train. That is not a good place to be in the middle of peak hour. What happened next? Well, everyone who was inside that train carriage moved to the far side of the carriage to try to shift the weight so that it would free that man. That didn't work. So everyone standing on the platform leant up against the train carriage and pushed and gained that little bit of space needed to free him. And he was free and he caught the next train to work. Everyone lent a hand because that was the job that was required. Friends, the work of the gospel needs everyone lending a hand. 
no matter who you are, if you've come to put your faith in Jesus, then the gospel needs you to work for the cause of getting the gospel message out. So the question for you tonight is, what are you doing to aid the advance of the gospel? Now, you don't have to be a paid ministry worker or a preacher to have a role in this. In fact, as you look at Romans 16, there isn't a paid ministry worker. Even the Apostle Paul was a tent maker. Uh, but the gospel had clearly needed lots of people, dozens of people that Paul was heavily invested in with to take that gospel message out to others. So what are we doing to lend our hand to the cause of the gospel here in Orange and beyond Orange? That's the question for us. So whether or not you're going to be actually preaching and teaching the word of God or simply putting out the chairs at Orange Christian School when we eventually get back to meeting there together, whatever it is, how are you serving the cause of the gospel, lending a hand to this work of getting the gospel out there? And as we read through Romans 16, I wonder if you saw the warmth that Paul had towards so many people as he mentioned all of these names in Romans 16. Have a look with me at verse 8 and 9 for a start. And Paul says, Greet Ampliatus, my dear friend in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our co-worker in Christ, and my dear friend Stachys. Now have a look down to halfway through verse 12. Greet my dear friend Persis, another woman who has worked very hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother, who's been a mother to me. Now these are people Paul des describes that sound like they are family to him. He uses that phrase, dear friends, time and again. And he describes Rufus's mother as like a mother to him. Clearly, there's a strong relationship between Paul and all of these people. And they sound like they're family. But they sound like they're family because they are family. They're brothers and sisters in Christ. So, friends, do you look around you at people at church at 6.30 as we're doing Zoom church tonight? Or when we're in the hall at Orange Christian School, do you look at those around you in church and know that they are brothers and sisters to you? That's what the gospel has done. If you're a Christian here tonight at 6.30, you've been joined in to the family of God, adopted, so that you now have a new family, an extra family. So we will be treating one another like family and loving one another like family. We're headed towards Christmas, and I think that as year by year goes by, it feels like Christmas rolls around quicker and quicker. We're headed towards Christmas, and perhaps this Christmas lunch will be one that's looked forward to more than any other year previously. And I can imagine that you might look forward to this one significantly and hope that you're actually able to meet, to gather together with family and loved ones to celebrate what would be a particularly special Christmas this year. And you'd be noted if you missed it, wouldn't you? Friends, as we gather together to do church, we need to treat the importance of church and making sure that we are there like we would treat Christmas lunch. We need to make sure that we prioritise being at church, gathering together with our family, with our brothers and sisters in Christ like we prioritise Christmas this year. 
Now, friends, there's a warning that pops up in Romans 16 as well, which we're going to touch on in just a minute. But I want to draw your attention to airports. You may remember those places that you go to when you're travelling. It's what we used to do a couple of years ago every now and again. We go to the airport and we get in a plane and disappear. But if you look carefully on your way, especially to regional airports, you'll see that the power lines often have these large orange balls attached to the power line. And these big orange balls are there for the pilots so that they can see the, the risk, they can see the power lines. And the orange balls basically say to the pilots, don't fly here, watch out, take care and heed the warning. And we're given a warning here in Romans 16 as well that Paul says to us we are to watch out and take care and heed the warning. It's in verse 17 and 18. Verse 17, I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you have learned. Keep away from them. For such people are not serving our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. So who is it that we're to watch out for? Well, we're to watch out for those who cause division and put obstacles in our way, and those that teach contrary to what these people have already learned. We don't see exactly what that teaching is, but it's clear that Paul is referring to the gospel that's been brought to them, and it's a gospel that's in line with what the apostles have been teaching. So for the Roman church, they need to remember the teaching they've been taught. For us, we need to remember what the Bible teaches us, which is also in line with what the apostles had taught. What are we to understand from all this? Well, firstly, teaching is important. Doctrine is important for a church because false teachers exist and we need to be able to identify false teaching and avoid it at all costs. So a loving and caring church will be a church that is deeply concerned about teaching sound doctrine. I uh, wonder if you've picked up any new habits or watched, started watching any new telly, new, new TV shows since lockdown commenced for us. In my family, uh, we've started watching a show called Alone. It's on SBS On Demand. This is not an ad for the show in particular, uh, but we've thoroughly enjoyed it. Alone is a show where 10 people who apply to go, they're not actually forced into this, 10 people are dropped to a remote location where they are left completely without human contact. And they're left to make their own shelter, like the image on the screen, to make their own shelter, to catch their own food, and to film all of their adventures as they go. And they're to stay there for as long as they possibly can, and the last person remaining wins half a million dollars. It's pretty entertaining in a lot of ways. And occasionally, some of what they film involves some noises some nocturnal noises scratching around outside their particular shelter. Now, occasionally, in the Arctic, those noises uh, could be bunny rabbits. And occasionally, they're bears. Now, it's important for these people to know the difference between the two. Sometimes it's a rabbit, not too much to worry about. Sometimes it's a bear, very good to know the difference. Because one is good for them to catch and eat and the other is likely to try and catch and eat them. 
So it is well worth knowing the difference between the two. Now, it is worth us knowing the difference between the false teaching that Paul describes in chapter 16 and the disputable matters that he's been talking about in chapter 14 and 15 that we've looked at for the last few weeks. It's worth us knowing the difference between the disputable matters where there are differences of opinion and conscience, which well, which may well mean that we can have different practices and accept one another to have different practices. But on the other hand, we need to know and be able to identify false teaching and take action in regard to that false teaching. We need to know the difference between those two. Because false teaching is a real worry and disputable matters are no problem at all. We can hold different opinions on these disputable matters, but for false teaching we need to take action and identify them. So just as we think about these things, I want to give you a summary of what happens in Galatians in a different book uh, of the New Testament, because there we see Paul describing some false teachers and how he wants the churches of Galatia to have nothing to do with their false teaching. To keep away from them. Now, in the churches of the region of Galatia, the false teachers were throwing the churches into confusion and claiming that they needed to be circumcised in order to be saved. And they were teaching a different gospel that Paul describes as no gospel at all, no good news at all. And in Galatians, Paul tells them to keep away from these false teachers. Actually, he says something far stronger than that. He says, let them go to hell, let the false teachers go to hell. So what's the difference between a disputable matter and the false teachers? Because it's important, because Paul is deeply concerned about false teaching and not at all worried about disputable matters. So what are these two things? Well, firstly, the disputable matters are the things that come from my obedience that comes from faith, working out what my obedience looks like in response to my faith in Christ. That's what sits in the disputable matters. The false teaching is what do I need to do and understand in order to be saved? And the false teaching is essentially adding something to the gospel in order to be saved. Now, what does that look like? Let, let's uh, dive into a bit of an example. There's a lot of people, uh, both Christians and non-Christians, who would want to avoid eating red meat on Good Friday. We're a long way away from Easter, but a lot of people, when it comes to Easter, will deliberately avoid eating red meat. They'll eat fish on a Good Friday for different reasons. So two different reasons that you might do that. Now one is a disputable matter. So here's a reason that you would fit into the category of it being a disputable matter. You might think to yourself, I won't eat red meat on Good Friday because God has saved me and he saved me by his grace, by his free gift of forgiveness that comes in Jesus that I access through faith. And because of that event, I think to myself, I should respond to that event by not eating meat on Good Friday, not eating red meat. And that would fit in the category of a disputable matter. Now, in the false teaching category, in contrast, people might think to themselves, I avoid eating red meat on a Good Friday and I need to do that in order to be saved. I need to not eat red meat 
in order that, that I would be made right with God through not eating red meat on a good Friday. Now, I think actually you're free to eat red meat on a good Friday and it's not a problem at all. It does fit in a disputable matter category if you're coming to it with an attitude of that being your response to the grace and mercy of God, your obedience that comes from faith. But if you're going to say you need to avoid red meat in order to be made right with God, then it clearly fits in a false teaching category. What are we to do with all this? We need to use godly biblical wisdom to discern which category anything falls into. And we're to make sure that we don't sweat the disputable matters and we're to accept one another, to have the freedom to have differences of opinion on disputable matters, but we are to sweat the false teaching. We're to be deeply concerned about false teaching and to have absolutely nothing to do with it. We're going to move on in Romans, so I'm going to pick up verse 20. So have a look down at verse 20 with me. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. I wonder if we when we read that earlier, that you thought to yourself, how long is soon? Because it feels like a very long time, doesn't it? Romans is written about 2,000 years ago. We've moved on. And you might be thinking to yourself, soon seems to have dragged on for a very, very long time. And Satan doesn't appear to have been crushed under our feet. But actually, as Paul writes, that's not particularly relevant. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. But what Paul is saying is that God will win, and that ought to be an encouragement to us. And as he says this, he's actually pulling out language from Genesis 3. That language of crushing Satan comes from Genesis 3, verse 15, where there is a promise of a seed of the woman, a descendant of the woman, who would crush the head of the serpent. It's a promise that comes in the gospel, in the prophetic writings that Paul's going to talk about at the end of chapter 16. A promise in the prophetic writings that's come way back in Genesis 3. And, it is, and, and Paul is reminding the Romans that God's promise from Genesis 3 comes true in Jesus. And in the end, God wins. He defeats sin and death and Satan. And God will crush the head of Satan. And he has already used the seed of the woman, the Lord Jesus, to do that. And that day is coming when we will see it in all of its fullness, in its completion at the return of the Lord Jesus. And the return of the Lord Jesus is sooner today than it was yesterday. And tomorrow it will be sooner than it is today. It's coming soon. Be encouraged. And Paul is saying to the Romans, don't worry, in the end God the world is not an out-of-control, chaotic and disordered place. It might feel like that from time to time, but it's not. God is in control, and in the end, his plan wins. Uh, in recent years, last six or seven years, it's been a common phrase that we've heard uh, argued from time to time, you're on the wrong side of history. When public debate happens, we often hear the phrase, you're on the wrong side of history. It's, uh, it's, it's pulled out to argue the case for changes that are coming in society for all sorts of different changes. We ought to remember that God writes history and determines its course and its path. 
And our God has told us how all of history ends. In the end, Satan is crushed and defeated. And God brings life and blessing and does away with both sin and death. So be encouraged. If you have your trust in the Lord Jesus, you are on the right side of history. You're on the right side of history and nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And we know that because there is an empty tomb that we celebrate on Easter Sunday. We know that because God brought Jesus back from the dead and he's brought life where there was death previously. In the end, God's plan will win. Sin and death have been defeated and we'll see that in all of its fullness at the return of the Lord Jesus. And Satan has been defeated and we'll see him crushed at the return of Jesus. And the resurrection of Jesus, the empty tomb, proves that God has brought life. So why is it that we would be involved in the hard work of gospel ministry at all? Well, it's because God's plan will win. Why is it that we would do the hard work of loving our church like family, like brothers and sisters? Well, it's because in the end, God's plan will win. Why is it that we do evangelism in our workplace when people will mock us and look down on us? It's because in the end, God's plan will win. Why is it that we do the hard work of teaching gospel truth and identifying false teaching? It's because God's plan will win. And why do we work out in our own lives the obedience that comes from faith in Christ? day by day. It's because God's plan will win. And in the end, all glory and honour will go to our God. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and praise that when we were enemies, you sent Jesus to save us from our sins. We want to thank you for the wonderful book of Romans that gives us such a clear picture of the victory that you have won on our behalf. And because of that, we want to offer ourselves as living sacrifices, bringing you glory and honour through how we live. Strengthen us day by day to live out the obedience that comes through faith in Jesus, all for your glory.